0: You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The feed hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Savage Arms. Now I've said it before, I'm going to say it again you need to go check out savagearms.com forward slash renegade and check out this new shotgun from Savage. The renegade shotgun is a has a drive gas system that's dual regulating inline valve gas system. This is going to be reliable operation from 3-inch magnums down to low recoil 2-3 and three quarter inch cartridges. This shotgun is tested tough, it's reliable, it's ready for anything, whether you're busting clays, dropping ducks or whacking turkeys, the Renegade is built to withstand tough use and extreme conditions. Go check it out at savagearms.com forward slash Renegade. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 77. Today on the show, I'm talking to a very special guest. I'm talking to me. It's just going to be me talking to you about 10 things that I have found very valuable to me about turkey hunting 10 things that i have learned this past turkey season hopefully it'll help you guys out stay tuned this is the southern ground hunting podcast Alright, what's up everybody? I am coming at you from the Walmart parking lot somewhere in Tennessee. I am going to be here for about 10 days in Tennessee, closing out my turkey season. Uh, I figured I'd give it one last hoorah, and I'm on a pretty long trip, actually. I'm going to be hunting almost to um, to the Tennessee closer which is March the 17th. I think I'm actually going to have to leave on the 16th. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a long, long, grueling week, hopefully full of dead turkeys. I have not kept it a secret that I have struggled this season. Um, killed a couple couple of birds on public land in Alabama really quick and pretty much After that second bird, it was dead. I wasn't finding sign. I wasn't hearing gobbles. Nothing. And so, um, I decided, my wife went to Florida with the kids to see her family. So, I decided to stick back and uh, try to kill some turkeys in Tennessee. Um, Heard lots of good reports from guys who have been hunting in Tennessee. So, I'm hoping and praying that uh, this week we'll, we'll have some. I actually went out today and scouted an area, um, kind of hunted it, but mostly scouted and tried to roost birds, and I didn't find very much sign, didn't hear any birds, so I think I'm going to kind of change my plans moving forward. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a long week. i definitely going to have some videos on the YouTube channel, so make sure you are subscribed to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel where you can find a lot of my videos from the past several years And uh, some other awesome content creators are going to be on there as well uh, for you guys to watch and enjoy. Um, Let's see. Screegear. You need to check out Screegear.com. Wearing it right now in the parking lot at Walmart sitting in my car. Um, Stuff is just awesome. I've told you about it a lot. But I want you guys to know that I truly do believe in this system, um, in this apparel. I think it is... Um not only do I feel like it is very very practic- practical and useful for a public land hunter when you're talking about deer and deer season being able to layer um during turkey season being able to um utilize some of the merino wool base layers to absorb sweat it's hot I'm running ridges all the time and um man this merino wool keeps me dry keeps me comfortable I love the stuff um you can save 15% on your purchase at Screegear.com if you use the code, all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground. That'll save you 15% off your purchase at Screegear.com. Again, I want to tell you, I love the stuff. I wouldn't I wouldn't tell you to um, to use it if I did not like it. I think it is awesome and uh, very durable, very comfortable, and super practical, and Maybe greater than all those things, it's affordable. Uh, there's a ton of performance hunting apparel companies that are selling stuff, but it's just simply not affordable. Screegear um, is not going to break the bank. It's super affordable for the average guy, so I hope you guys will go and check that out. So, today, um, it's just me. I have not done an episode that's just me talking by myself. Since episode 1 and right now we are 77 episodes in and uh, this is going to be pretty much the first time that I've done a full episode like this. And uh, like I said, I'm sitting in the Walmart parking lot here in Tennessee and um, I've got a podcast scheduled with a pretty freaking awesome guest here uh, that's going to be live here probably in the next few days but uh, you'll you'll get to hear that next week and that will likely be our last podcast of turkey season. Um, I love doing turkey podcasts. It fires me up but I'm gonna be honest if I'm not turkey hunting it's gonna be pretty difficult for me to uh, to get into turkey podcasts. So I'm gonna record one more and it's a it's an awesome guest. I think you' you guys are really gonna enjoy it. Uh, And that's probably going to be it, and we're going to get back into deer season. I had a buddy ask me the other day, like, hey, man, I know you're all crazy about that turkey hunting stuff, but can you please start doing deer podcasts soon? And uh, so you deer guys who are not big into turkey hunting, uh, rest assured, we will get back to deer season. That's going to be our main focus probably from uh, mid-May to, I mean, until next turkey season. We're going to be talking about deer a lot, and uh, I'm super excited about it. I've actually been um, getting even more excited about getting ready for deer season. I uh, went ahead and put some days on my calendar that I'm going to be out of state hunting, and uh, I'm super looking forward to that. So I say all that to say, everybody who's listening to this, if you are a deer podcast um, lover, just look forward to uh, probably mid middle to end, the end of May, and uh, and we're going to get back into that. So, I wanted to take this opportunity to um, really just talk to you guys and let you know um, kind of some of the things that I've dealt with this turkey season. Um, like I said before, I have not kept it a secret. The turkey season's been extra, extra tough for me this year. Um, now, I harvest numbers you would not necessarily think so i've killed two birds it's not a bad season a lot of people didn't kill even one um but a lot of people killed a whole lot more than that especially in different parts of alabama Um, however the turkeys just were not in the area that i was hunting not very many of them i know there were some i saw several um i was on a uh a different piece of public land in a different part of the state when I killed my first bird. And there's a lot of turkeys in there. Actually, um, the the area that I was in had one of the highest harvest numbers of any county in the state of Alabama. Um, and there was a lot of birds killed out there. Problem is, is there's just not an overwhelming amount of public land to be able to hunt. So if you go in there and um, pressure it in those few little areas, then it shuts them down, and I went back a couple times since then, and just did not, was not able to get on birds, um, but I know they're there, I know they're going to be there next year, if you watch the videos, you saw that I, um, I missed a Jake on opening day, uh, just kind of threw up a shot at him, and, um, probably was too far of a shot, if I'm being completely honest with you, but, um, so I feel pretty confident that next year it's gonna be it's gonna be even better in there than it was this year. Even, um, but my my core area that I stick to a lot just did not produce, and um, and normally I, I'm not gonna say it always produces, but it does always uh, hold birds. I find sign, I bump them, I see them, I get opportunities, I hear them gobble. Uh, this year I heard four gobbles uh, or four days. I had four days that I heard gobbling and I killed birds on two of those days. So, um, if you ask me, that's pretty good, uh, a pretty good percentage. Um, I was 50, 50% on days that I heard a goblin bird. So I'm definitely not going to complain about that. Uh, however, I hunted quite a bit. I mean, probably four days, four to five days a week, Um, and to only, for a month and a month and a half, a month and a week, however long our season is, and to only hear birds gobbling on four of those days is pretty discouraging and, uh, and not normal. Yeah. You know, I, I struggled through turkey season, but at least I can hear a gobble occasionally out there. Um, probably maybe one to two days a week, I would hear gobbles in the past, And this year, it was after I killed that second bird, I didn't hear a single gobble. I have not heard a gobble since then, Um, with the exception of one day on private land uh, when I was with Drew. So, I want to start out by saying the first thing that I have learned about turkeys is kind of, uh, it was true for me this year, and uh, it's not always true everywhere. I've heard a lot of people say differently, but what I have, what I learned this year is that just because there are turkeys one year in an area does not mean they will be there in the future. Um, It also doesn't mean that they won't be back eventually, but do not bank on having your um, main areas. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of turkey hunters myself included. I really, uh, I don't, I don't do as much map scouting as maybe I do with deer. Um, I'm not really looking for new areas in the off season to turkey hunt just because I have had in the past, I've had big chunks of land that have carried, that have held a lot of turkeys. And um, this year that just wasn't the case. Um, I was forced to go real far out and try to find New areas where I still wasn't finding birds, um, but what I do know is that come deer season, they're going to be right back in those same areas. And one of the things that I'm that I'm learning that has to do with this same point is that, um, you know, just because you see them deer in deer season doesn't mean they're going to even be using that area um, once the spring hits. Every um, area there are there are some places where you'll find birds year-round, but what I have learned is that um, in the majority of the places I hunt, if I see them there during deer season, that likely means that it's not going to be where they're going to be at in the spring because different things, different habitat, different terrain offers different things to the turkey um, during different parts of the year. So um, if you'll notice. You don't see an overwhelming amount of birds when you're driving down the interstate out in fields during the wintertime. You just don't. But once spring hits, you're going to find them out in the fields, strutting their stuff, eating bugs, because that's what those things offer them. Um, During the wintertime, I see more birds in the open hardwoods, um, scratching in those open hardwoods and doing things like that. And uh, I just don't see that a whole lot during the spring turkey season so the number one thing that I have learned this year is to not bank on one area or two areas or even three areas Um, go out and and make sure you're you're finding new places so you can keep just really just keep a um, keep have areas that you can save for a rainy day I guess is what I'm trying to say Um, not literally a rainy day but um, you know what I'm saying. So um, that leads me kind of into the uh, the next thing that I have learned about turkeys this year is the importance of scouting. Um, like I said, number one, you can't bank on certain areas. The only way that you can expand that uh, that territory or your um, your areas is by scouting. And the best way to scout is, in my opinion, the best way to scout is to scout hunt during turkey season, and that's how I found a lot of the new areas that I've that I've hunted this year. Maybe a couple of them that I actually heard birds, but a lot of them where I found sign was going to new places um, and not pigeonholing myself into uh, one area. The way I do that is scouting. Um, the number number three. Uh, really kind of deals with um, more of my approach to to turkeys. In the past, I have been, number one, very afraid of out doing any type of owl call or owl hoot. Um, I don't know why, I've just always felt like, it does more harm than good, so I just haven't done it a lot in the past. Um, one of the things that I learned this year is that some—I'm not going to say I learned this this year, but uh, I, I knew this was a a truth about turkey hunting, um, but I didn't—I hadn't seen it in action uh, a whole lot before this year. And on one of the days that I heard gobbles. Um, I was in an area, it was in the morning time, and I was doing like, uh, I was using my uh, Woodhaven owl, owl call, and I was like, you know what, it's a big clear cut, I'm going to try to do something that's fairly loud and see what happens. So I hit that owl hoot, nothing happened, waited a few minutes, hit it again, nothing happened, uh, waited a few more minutes. Nothing. So then I was like, all right, I'm going to try something. Um, I've always heard that different birds like different sounds, and they like certain frequencies. So I'm going to try a natural voice owl hoot and see what happens. So I did a natural voice owl hoot. Sure enough, right off the bat, a bird gobbles at probably 60 yards. That bird was stupid close, and he was still on the limb, um, but he would not gobble at it's nothing against Woodhaven. It was just that bird, is that bird specifically? The only what he wanted to gobble at was my voice. I've also seen the same thing happen with turkey calling, um, where you use one one diaphragm and you can use it all day and nothing will happen, and then you switch to something else that hits a different frequency, and birds start gobbling. And that's one of the things that I've learned. Just when it comes to calls, whether that be crow calls, owl calls, owl hoot,, um, uh, different box calls, different uh, different pot calls. You know, you have glass, you have um, crystal and slate, and you have all that you have all the different types. And it really just depends on what that bird wants that day. Now that's been something I've been developing over the years and and really learning. And learning from other people who know a whole heck of a lot more than I do. Um, But that's the reason why I carry... I mean, crap. I probably carry 20 calls. um, 20 different diaphragms. You can carry diaphragms pretty easily. I probably carry 20 of them in my vest. Just in case. And it is not... uh, It's not rare for me to just pick them up and just start trying new things. And in fact... Um, the first bird that I killed, I had been using, uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, some type of, um, combo cut. I can't remember what kind it was, but I've been using some type of combo cut, really raspy all day. And, um, I got a couple of gobbles out of it that day. That day was probably the best goblin day that I that I had all year. Um, I got a couple gobbles out of it that day. But uh, when I kind of started making some aggressive moves, which we'll get into here in a little bit, uh, I started making some aggressive moves, and I threw in a Hook's, I think it's Hook's Custom Calls Ghost Cut. And threw that in, and it really had a whole lot of high end in it. And man, as soon as I did that, they just started hammering immediately. Every time I would hit that thing, hammering, 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 and ultimately I ended up killing that bird. Um, and that was the bird that I killed out of the kayak. Uh, and so that's that's kind of that's going to be my number three thing: is to really work on um, developing just an arsenal of different calls um, because you never know what a specific turkey is going to want. Now. That being said, um, don't go overboard. Like, I know some people carry in like five different pot calls, two different box calls, uh, you know, all the different diaphragms, whatever. Uh, I don't think you have to get crazy. I think you can get all those things with just um, learning to use diaphragm, mouth calls if you're not already, and carrying a bunch of those, get you a pot, uh, a pot call get you a box, get you a crow call and a and maybe an owl hoot or or if you just want to use your natural voice on that stuff then you know go for it but I'd say um, try to have a good selection of sounds available just so you can um, you know possibly fire up a bird that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise um, so that's number three number four and this is something I learned when I lived in Georgia. Um, but every year it seems like I do it more and more and more, and that is being aggressive in the turkey woods. I talked about the, uh, the bird that I killed out of the kayak, which in my opinion was a super aggressive move. Um, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. Uh, I can't, I can't remember what episode it was. It was probably 71, 72, somewhere around there. Um, but it's where I tell the story about that bird, and it was extremely aggressive in my opinion. And if you just watch the video um, or just watch the end of the video, it looks like um, like it wasn't like it was actually relatively easy. Uh, but here's what happened. I was working these birds all day, um, was seeing them all day, tried to do a belly crawl uh, stalk on them first thing in the morning, Didn't work out. They never saw me, but they had just kind of moved away, got out of range. Um, About 10 o'clock, I went ahead and put some decoys out in this field. Now, I'm not used to field birds either. Like, that's not really my thing, but this piece of public land had fields on it, and the birds used them. Um, Went and put the decoys out, sat down for a little bit, nothing, nothing. I heard one gobble way far off in the distance. So what I decided I was going to do was get back to the boat, and ride around and try to get closer to where I heard that gobble come from. The gobble was definitely on private land, but I could swing around and get closer to that piece where I might actually have a chance of it. So I got up, went and got my decoys, which I don't use that much. Um, Went and got my decoys, and as soon as I touched the decoy and and took it off off the stake, I look up and I see a blue head at about 300-400 yards off on the edge of the field I see this blue head and I was like crap Um, that was probably the bird that gobbled and he's in this field right now well I slowly put the decoys back get into a blowdown and start noticing the hens that he was with start popping into the field that bird walks out struts at about 200 yards just will not commit Um, then another tom comes out and never really goes into strut, but he's definitely looking. Uh, I think he was kind of the more subordinate Tom. Uh, but they ended up working their way over a hill, and I was able to get out of there and get back in my boat and go to a different creek and uh, and try to cut them off. Well, when I got there, they were in a field about 50 yards off of the creek watching me float through this creek. And um, one important thing to notice or to know is that this whole, um, this whole area pretty much was flooded with the exception of a few high spots. And that was where those birds were having to walk, was in these little high spots. So I'm floating down the creek and I see a flock of turkeys, two toms, maybe some jakes and some hens that are in there. And they're just watching me. Now, they don't really know what I am, but I'm just floating down this creek right in front of them. And my plan was to get around and find some dry ground and get on the field edge that, of the field that they were in. Well, everything was flooded and the water went um, halfway into that field. So I was, it was impossible. So I ended up working my way through the, the, the woods that were flooded and breaking sticks and scaring, probably scared them all away. Um, I'm fairly confident that's exactly what happened. But I got to this field edge, and I was in my kayak, and that's when I pulled out that Hooks Custom call, and the birds fired off right there, and one of them ended up coming back. I put my camo over, my camo netting over the front of my boat to camo it in, and ended up killing that bird. Um, In my opinion, that was about as about as aggressive as I've ever been when it comes to turkey hunting, and it 100% paid off. Um, I made a a bold move knowing that those birds were in there and knowing that they were probably going to see me, but also knowing that they didn't really know what I was. They just don't like the sound of sticks breaking. Um, but they, they, they maybe didn't necessarily associate a boat floating through the water in front of them with danger. They see that a lot. They're around water. They're going to see fishermen. Um, and so, um, you know that was a bold move, an aggressive move, and very well could have cost me um, an opportunity, but it didn't, and I ended up killing that bird. and uh, And so that's that's my number four thing is a, being aggressive is not bad. Like be as aggressive as you possibly can. Same thing happened um, for my second bird. It wasn't nearly as aggressive, uh, but he was on private land, and I pulled him over with by being you know putting myself in the right position to be able to kill him instead of just you know staying in one area or whatever I was covering ground and and that's that's how that worked out so speaking of the number two bird um the fifth thing that I have learned this turkey season season is that less is more when it comes to turkey calling um Again, something that I didn't necessarily learn this turkey season, but it is um, a very valuable thing that I have learned in the past. Um, now, I know I said that you want to have plenty of calls, like be be versatile, have a good arsenal of calls that you can use, but at the end of the day, less is more. You have to understand that a lot of these turkeys, especially in the areas that I hunt, and especially this year, were extra pressured because of the pandemic. A lot of people were hunting every single day of the week rather than just weekends. And so these birds are used to people owl hooting like crazy, um, going to town on box calls. They're used to all that. And so I have seen more times than not the days that I'm successful is when I am taking it slow, calling very little, but enough to let a tom know that I'm in the area. That's exactly what happened with the second bird that I killed, and that's the reason why I killed him, and the only reason why I killed him. I was walking about every 100 yards. Very slowly, I would call, and it would be soft, nothing crazy. It wouldn't be some loud, aggressive yelp. Um, it was just soft calling. And this was at probably 8 o'clock, so they were already on the ground. and had been on the ground for probably an hour and a half. Um, But I ended up um, striking this bird up, and he was on private land. And uh, one of the things that uh, I decided to do, I had plenty of time because he was about 100 yards off. And I set up in the closest spot that I could possibly get to this private land. And, um, I mean, I just... Once I knew that he was, he knew I was there and I could also tell that he was getting closer, I shut it off and I stopped. And, uh, I I did a couple of really soft clucks, um, about 15 minutes later. And as soon as I did that, he was within 20 yards. It was one of those gobbles where you can hear their spit. Um, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was so cool and uh i'll tell you a couple of things that i did i soft called right there and let him come to me instead of me going nuts um and probably what would have happened if i would have done that is he would have just set out in that field and he would have strutted expecting a hen to come in which is what they do that's that's their natural order the hens go to the tom i'm gonna get to that here in just a minute um uh, kind of more in more detail because that actually is one of the points that I that I want to make. One of the things that I've learned, but um, I did some soft calls and then I did one with my hand in front of my mouth to make it sound like to push the sound back behind me, so that he thought that that hen was going away. As soon as I did that, the the Joker was coming on a string, and I killed him. Um, now, um, that is number five less is more when it comes to turkey calling a lot of you new guys out there are watching a lot of videos on youtube where it looks like people are calling every three minutes and that's just not the case they're taking a whole bunch of footage and compiling it into a short video but the reality is is that i mean a lot of guys um call once every 30 minutes once every 15 minutes you know i mean i would not do much more than once every 15 minutes when it comes to uh, public land turkey hunting. Um, now that's number five. Number six uh, really has a lot to do with that second bird as well. One of the things that I, that I learned was something that I have been told a lot. Uh, my buddy Adam Cruz says it a lot. He says if you can just get one tree closer. When you're on a goblin bird if you can just get one tree closer um, then do it. And keep doing that until you literally can't get any closer. Um, that's true in a lot of scenarios, but the scenario that I was in right there was there was a roadbed coming off of the private land and out of this greenfield. There's a road that went into the public land, and those turkeys, those birds, know so well how to pinpoint exactly where that call is coming from. And so if you are calling especially in an area where a turkey can see a long ways and he gets to that spot he comes out of the trees or he comes into that that chunk of woods and he knows where that calling is coming from and he does not see a hen then you're pretty well screwed and it almost killed it almost saved his life because as soon as he hit that road and got to where he knew he would be able to see the hen that was there and he didn't see a hen, the Joker turned around and about started booking it, and I shot him uh, right as soon as he turned around. Um, I shot him. It wasn't the greatest shot opportunity that I've ever had, but I knew I was going to have to shoot him, or he was going to be gone. Um, He was going to be back on the private land. Um, But one of the things that that really stuck out to me in that scenario was probably the better thing that I could have done to be able to have a clear shot, a very clear shot, and better video footage, which that's something that I'm always wanting to be able to get better at, is I should have backed up even more than I already was to get out of, get out of his sight. So basically, when he came into range, that would have been the first place that, that he would have been able to see where his quote-unquote hen was calling from. Um, a lot of people in hilly terrain will do it, you know, they'll get right on the opposite side of the, of the, the, what would it be, the spine of the ridge, and so that way, as soon as that turkey comes up over the ridge, and sticks his head up, they can shoot, now, it is what it is, sometimes that's, sometimes that's bad, you know, a lot of times, that's not nearly as, you can't have as quite as good of a of a shot opportunity but you will get a shot opportunity because he knows that there's a hen calling right over that right over that knob and um, he's gonna stick his head up especially if he's interested if he's fired up and he's coming that's where he's gonna go and if he looks down there and doesn't see his hen then he's probably gonna gonna book it you're gonna have a split second to shoot but at least you will be able to get a shot off so um that's number six, uh, make sure you're calling and using your woodsmanship and and that type of stuff to um, be able to know where that turkey, let me think of the right way to say it, know where that turkey is going to show himself at, but also where you're in a spot where that turkey has to show himself to be able to see where the hen is at. So that's number six. Um, number seven. Now, number seven has a little bit to, I guess you could say it has a little bit to do with um, number six and, you know, using terrain and using, um, using land features to be able to try to predict where a turkey is going to come out at is, uh, is huge But it's also a part of a greater thing, which is woodsmanship. And I've heard for years that woodsmanship kills turkeys. Now, every single year, especially since I've started hunting public land, my woodsmanship skill set has gone higher and higher and higher. Until this year, I kind of feel like, um, I told you, my, my percentage for gobbling birds was 50%. I killed birds two days out of the four that I actually heard gobbling. Um, and part of that was just straight woodsmanship, being able to look at a map and scout an area and be able to say, all right, from with what I know about turkeys, they should be in this area. And almost always, whenever I said, you know what, it really doesn't have the right things, but I'm going to go check it out anyway, because, you know, maybe it's a place that's, um, super remote and I know nobody has been back there or something like that I can almost always tell just by even terrain if I'm going to be able to find sign in there and that's just developing woodsmanship and I'm by no means uh, a, a master woodsman but I'm working to become better at that um, that is something that I, um, I you know I would if I die at sixty, I hope every year, every year until then, I get better at being a woodsman, and um, and so that's that's obviously going to be number seven. Is you know, develop your woodsmanship skills because woodsmanship kills turkeys. Um, another thing that kills turkeys is patience. And um, I got to take a drink. My my throat's getting a little bit dry. I don't usually do these things where I'm talking the whole time. Um, patience kills a lot of turkeys. One thing that I did not get to do this year a whole lot was be patient. Um, and when I was thinking about it, actually, uh, a couple of days ago, I was thinking about in the past, the majority of the birds that I've have killed have been, um, patience birds. And by that, I mean, uh, Going into an area and finding a whole lot of sign and just sitting there and being patient. That doesn't mean I shoot them right in that spot, but it means I strike up a gobble. Because if I find an area with hot sign, there's a good likelihood that they're going to be at least somewhere close by within hearing distance of a call. And I've had so many birds in probably the past four or five years that have come just from sitting in a spot and being patient and eventually hearing a gobble and being able to go after that bird. This year, I did not do that. Um, There's several reasons why. One of them was the pandemic changed my schedule a crap ton, and I did not have whole days to be able to hunt. Um, The pandemic and also now having two kids kind of changed that. Uh, I tried my absolute best to be home in the afternoons, to be able to be with my family um, and do do my work. And uh, and so that was a big that was a big thing. Um, when I had all day to hunt, like I'll have this week, I can find those fresh sign areas and say, you know what, I'm gonna sit here until uh, one o'clock or something. And um, there's enough sign in here to make me think there's gonna be a turkey in this area at some point. It's my least favorite way to hunt them, but sometimes it can be the most productive. Just sitting in a spot and being patient. A lot of guys are gonna tell you no. Don't do that. Go walk around, uh, walk ridges, do whatever, do something like that. Keep yourself going, keep yourself active, and go until you find a bird that wants to wants to play. Um, I'm not saying that that doesn't work for a lot of people. It didn't work for me this year, and part of the reason why I think I wasn't hearing a lot of gobbles was because I didn't really have the time to be to be patient. Like, I just, I couldn't do it. I I, I was trying to, uh, now, I will say this. The opening day of the season, um, the reason I got a shot off on a bird and missed was patience. I sat there for probably two hours, knowing that I had just seen a turkey in there. Um, when I got there, there was a tom strutting in the field. And I was like, okay, well. He was here, so maybe there's more turkeys in the area. I sat there, I took a nap, and I woke up to those those four birds standing in front of me and took a shot and missed. Um, that was a patience bird, and that was on the opening day of the season. I didn't do that kind of hunting ever again after that all season long in Alabama. And I think it hurt me not being able to hunt afternoons and not being able to have time to be patient and just sit over fresh sign. It hurt me. And uh, it made me a believer, and I've heard it from so many people, that um, uh, Matthew Reeves from Southern Pursuit. uh, Shout out to you, Matthew. Matthew killed a bird on the last day of the season this year. Um, He had a tough season all year and uh, killed one on the last day, and that was a patience bird. Um, So when in doubt, I mean, if you're not hearing gobbles, if you're doing a lot of walking around and it's still not paying off, just try it. Try to be patient. Try to sit still in one area. And when I say sit still, I mean like legitimately sit still. Don't look at your phone. Uh, I actually fell asleep and that's when I woke up and there were birds in front of me. Um, Stuff like that, man, that can be, it sounds goofy. It sounds dumb, but man, it can work. Um, So don't be afraid to just sit in one spot. Just because it's not what the hunting public's doing on YouTube does not mean that it doesn't work. It works for a lot of people very well. Um, and I've heard studies, uh, I've heard of studies where, um, gobblers will, uh, if they hear, uh, they'll, they'll hear a hen, a hen call, they'll hear hear a hunter calling a hen and they've actually done studies on gobblers that have a tracker on them where they knew a hunter was in an area calling one morning and around one or two o'clock that gobbler, Came to that area looking for the hen that it heard calling first thing in the morning, hoping that she would still be there once he got once his other hens left him. Um, I thought that was interesting, and it's probably the reason why I have been very successful in the past by just sitting still in one area is because these birds are both dumber than we give them credit for and smarter than we give them credit for. They have the ability, the natural ability to be able to pinpoint certain spots and remember it throughout the day so that when their hens leave them, they can go straight there. And, uh, and I think that's what kills a lot of turkeys. Um, the ninth thing that I learned is that um, uh, this is going to be a, a bold statement. And maybe it's not something that I learned, but it's something that I have observed this year. And um, that is having to do with barometric pressure. Now, I, we talked to a lot of guests who believe 100% in barometric pressure, that it is a one of the only ways to be able to um, predict gobbling. Um, I'll say this, the barometric pressure... On a lot of days. Was rising. Uh, a lot of days that I hunted was rising. But the days that I shot birds. The, the two days that I shot birds. And the four days that I heard them gobble. Um, five days if you include the one on private land. Uh, with me and Drew. The barometric pressure was crap. It was low. It was not good gobbling days. But they just happened to. Be gobbling on on those days, um, so you know I am. I'm not gonna say a hundred percent that barometric pressure doesn't have something to do with gobbling, but what I observed this year was that it really. Um, I think it really just depends on the bird. It really just depends on the turkey more than anything else. That's probably a good way to predict it, just in the same way that uh, maybe a cold front or something like that is a good way to predict deer movement, but it's not set in stone. At the end of the day, turkeys are going to do what turkeys want to do, and we can't do anything about it. The number, what was I on? That was eight. Number nine thing. That I learned. And this is a quick one. uh, But the number nine thing that I learned. Was that TSS. For me. I'm not saying for everybody. Will. Does not. Shoot well. At 60 yards. Um, Could have been me. Could have been. The bird moving. Could have been a lot of things. But I still thought. I mean, I had a pretty steady rest. There was there was no reason I should have missed a bird at 60 yards. With all the stories that I've heard about using TSS loads, it should have done it, but it didn't. And I will likely never take another shot that far because, uh, I mean, it didn't even look like it... It looked like it peppered the bird. Like, he kind of like, flapped a wing and, like, it kind of peppered him. That was it. Uh, so... You know, I don't know. Um, But I learned not to put all your confidence in TSS. You can have some. It does well. I like it better than anything else for me. But you can't put all your confidence in TSS. All right. And that leads me to the number 10 thing that I learned about hunting public land turkeys in Alabama this year and that is that turkey hunting is a whole lot more fun if you go and you have fun it's so much more fun don't go to put pressure don't go to because you feel like you have to make a social media post that shows a turkey in it don't go so that you can smoke a cigar like Dave Owens and you know don't, don't go for those reasons. Go because you enjoy it. Go because you like it. You want to have fun with it. Go because you want to spend time with your buddies, your kids, uh, maybe your wife or, or you ladies. Maybe you want to spend time with your husband. Um, for me, I got to spend a day turkey hunting with my dad. And those days are amazing. But at the end of the day, there's something that is absolutely magical about the spring woods when they wake up. Gobbles or not, that is, um, it's, it's just, it, it makes you fall in love with the sport all again, all over again. And um, don't forget that. Don't forget the reason why you're out there is to enjoy it. To enjoy the, the awesome resources that God gave us. Um, and on public land where it is 100% free and it's owned by us. And we get to go out and we get to enjoy it. We get to have fun. We get to pursue these wild birds, these goofy looking, smart and dumb birds for free on these pieces of public land. We get to watch it wake up. We get to watch the sun rise and set over it. There's just something that is magical about it. And uh, and don't forget that. Don't forget why you love it. Don't I, I have to remind myself of this over and over again when I see other creators that are, you know, limiting out on birds and I'm sitting here struggling. Like learn to appreciate that struggle. Learn to appreciate how um how much fun it is to be able to go out and do that. And that'll help you whenever you are successful to appreciate those moments even more that's the 10 things that I have learned about turkey hunting this year I hope you guys enjoyed that hope maybe you gained something from it um I'm not I'm not a veteran turkey hunter I'm just an honest one and I learn stuff every single year every time I step foot in the woods I learn I try to learn something new and so I hope that I hope I hope you guys can tell that and uh again I super appreciate y'all listening to this me blabbing with myself for the last 46 minutes and 57 seconds i mean come on man i've gotta love turkey hunting to be able to sit here like this and just <laughs> try to keep you guys entertained about turkeys um but yeah i'm gonna get some sleep it's about 10 30 um and i gotta get up early try to go shoot a turkey in the face tomorrow it's supposed to rain So I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but I'm going to try. I'm here. I might as well. Um, Before I go, just wanted to remind y'all to check us out on Instagram at Southern Ground Hunting. That's one word and all lowercase, Southern Ground Hunting. Um, Check us out on Facebook. All you got to do is search Southern Ground Hunting and uh, and you'll find it there. And again, on YouTube, um, go to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. See all that content there as well. Uh, yeah, again, man, go out and enjoy it. If it's still turkey season where you're at, have fun. I know a lot of people are bass fishing. Oh, I want to remind you guys to go um, check out the Chasing Tails Outdoors podcast. Um, we're teaming up with them. We're doing the second annual Yakin for Bass Challenge. That is a kayak bass fishing fishing tournament where you get to compete against cocky son of guns like me and walter and try to put us in our place um it's a challenge it is uh going straight to charity and um all the proceeds are going straight to charity there's going to be an opportunity for everybody to win prizes um i know last year you could win prizes even if you hadn't registered a or even if you haven't, uh, if you're not in the leader, in the, on the leaderboard or anything like that, um, so go and check that out. It's 25 bucks. It goes straight to charity, and you get to trash talk with us. There's a Facebook group all about it, the Yakin' for Bass Challenge, and uh, I think y'all will will enjoy that. I know I I take it seriously. I can't win anything, but uh, I, I like to trash talk. I can win I can win pride. And pride is one of the greatest trophies that you could ever win. And uh, especially when you're fishing against guys like Walter and Greg Godfrey and those guys who just think they freaking hung the moon. Um, man, I love putting them in their place. I love being able to beat them. Interesting fact, I beat them, all, beat them both last year. The only creator I did not beat was Chase. And uh, and it was it was fairly close. I made it in the top ten. Um I had some fish get disqualified that would have put me above Chase. If I'm being honest with you. Um, no, I had I did have some fish get disqualified from from it because uh, some rules. But I'm 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 out for them this year. Like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna win at least out of the creators. There's some pretty daggum good fishermen who are not creators that are in it. But uh, I'm not gonna say that I'll beat them. But seriously, go check it out. Um, go to the Chasing Tails Outdoors Facebook page. You can learn everything you would possibly want to learn about that. You can check out their podcast as well, Ch- Chasing, Tail- Chasing Tails Outdoors podcast, um, and learn about it there. So uh, yeah, that's going to be it for this weekend or for this episode. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you kill turkeys. Hope you catch fish. Hope you are successful at whatever it is and you are doing. But if you're going to be in the woods, remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next time.